Hello and welcome to a Goal in One podcast. I'm Chris. I'm Jay. I'm Andy. And on today's podcast, we have the one and only Paul Dunn. How are you doing, Paul? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Oh, good. Very, very well. Say very good, but yeah, as, as well as as well as can be. How's the uh, how's the wrist? Yeah, it's all right. Getting there bit by bit. Um, don't know how long I have left. Uh, my guess is maybe six weeks from now, but have to wait and see. Kind of monitor the progress day to day. It's been pretty slow for the last couple of months, but it's getting there bit by bit. I just need to be patient. But your time's on our side now. What What did you do to the wrist, mate? Oh, I got an injury in it there last November, um, and I had surgery on it at the end of November, and it's been out since out since then. So, um, just kind of trying to build my way back in. But looking at that schedule put out by uh, different tours, that I'll be back in time for that sort of thing. So, hopefully, it's uh, going to be healed up and ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Where, where did you have the surgery? Because I'm a physio background, so I know quite a lot of the surgeons and stuff like that. So. Uh... Was it? Doug Campbell did my surgery in, in, in Leeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used to work with Doug. I was at Leeds United. I used to work with Doug. Yeah. Okay, we all have our problems, don't we? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're telling us often about the golfers, mate, often. So. Yeah, Doug does a good bit of travelling around with the tour now, and he's got a good name as the, the golf specialist in that area. So, yeah. Yeah, I dealt with him, got on there at the end of November, and been kind of liaising back and forth since. Yeah. Nice. Are you hitting shots yet or anything? or? No, not yet. Just um, kind of just still working on the rehab. I tried to yeah. hit some shots and it didn't go didn't go well. So um, taking a little bit longer than I hope. It's uh, hopefully I'm back in a few weeks. Um, for the moment, it's just kind of still one one handed stuff and just trying to keep the body moving in the right way. Smashing them it must be still smashing them ten k's out there. You're getting around the marina pretty quick. Oh man, there's a there's a good little lap around this farm. Yeah. Um, one lap is about 5k, but it's so hilly uh, yeah, yeah. that the time, times go way down. Um, so, not as good as I thought. <laughs> are, you into, are you fairly into your training, Paul? Are you fairly into it? Do you like it? I like, do, I like doing a bit of it, yeah. I wouldn't say like, I'm, not, I'm not a runner or anything. I just like to kind of keep active and try and keep fit. Um, but, yeah, the marina run around Dubai is brilliant because it's so flat. Yes. I was <laughs> going to say, um, it's put... Really flat. Your times are like 44 minutes though, weren't they? I didn't see it. I, I, my phone has it set in miles, not kilometers. So I don't know. I was doing like, I think it was like six miles. It's not quite 10K, is it? It was right yeah, around 40, no. right around 40 minutes, something like that. Kilometers. Yeah. It's uh, about six, seven minutes faster than me. Anyway, it's about nine kilometers all the way around. I'm using my height to my advantage. <laughs> Low center of gravity. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is it fair to say the kind of landscape of training with golf has changed quite a bit, Paul, over the last, I don't know, 10 years or kind of since the emergence of Tiger, really? Is that kind of fair to say that? Yeah, it's probably that. Probably more since he came around. Um, since he started beating up golf courses, the golf courses have changed and everything has, has changed around us. Um, he changed the game for everything, really. Golf courses changed, money went up. Training went up, uh, competition went up, and you know it's it's been a, a spike since then. But yeah, I mean everyone's into it now. Um, even the people that you think would never be into it, you still see them in the gym getting their getting their physio and training in on a regular basis because it's it's such an unnatural sport that like it does break down your body over time if you don't stay on top of things. 
Um, so like most of the stuff would be injury prevention and then there's a lot of vanity involved as well with people. So it's kind of a mix of the both. <laughs> yeah. Who, who, was, who was that aimed at, the ones that you don't expect to be in there too often? Oh, who am I thinking now? Um, I don't know. I just, I, I can't think of a, any person that does nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone out on tour, I've seen in there doing something at some point. So, I mean, if you, I you, you pick see, any, you see the likes pick any of, name out of the hat and they'll do it. Yeah, as you say, you see the likes of kind of Beef and Shane as well, like big guys. You think, oh, they probably don't go in, but they're pretty much in every day as well, aren't they? They're strong. Shane, tra- Shane trains a lot, yeah. Shane's much Shane. more disciplined than, than the public image lets out. Yeah. <laughs> he's, say, uh, he's, much har- he's, he's just, yeah, he lets his hair down. When he lets his hair down, he lets it down. Not that he has much yeah, of it, yeah. but um, the he works hard. Beef is beef's really strong. Yeah, I saw I've seen beef. I've seen him deadlift two two hundred twenty kilos. Yeah. Jesus. Um. But yeah, like like that. Everyone everyone does their best. Just not everyone's into the vanity aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where uh, where are you now? Are you Florida? Alabama. Are you Back Alabama in the, now? I'm in Birmingham, yeah, Alabama, back where I went to college. So I was just okay, overseeing a few friends and stuff. Yeah, getting a bit of sunshine. Yeah. You were uh, you were over there for uni then, weren't you? Or, or college, college and uni, Alabama, Alabama University. Yeah, UAB back, finished in 2015. So I was here, did my four years. Four and years. Got yeah. out, but I come back regularly enough, yeah, four or five times a year I come back. So Is I work as a coach over here. And Did you pretty much turn pro straight after that? Well, we finished in... May, May, early June. Then I came back and I, I did the summer as an amateur and I turned pro then September after the Walker Cup. Um, so pretty much straight after. It was kind of always the plan. I, I'd never played Walker Cup before, so I wanted to get that experience in. That's where yeah. I had my first meeting with you, Andy. Over just, a few pints. <laughs> I don't remember. Carry on, carry on. I heard a few pints mentioned there, so uh, expand. I just, got the, I just got the picture sent to me last week. I didn't even remember it. I know. To be fair, I text. I texted. I found a picture in my phone. I texted him. And said, "Oh, that's from that's from the World Cup because they they won the World Cup. We went out to. I went over there because I knew Gavin was playing. So I knew Gavin from Ireland. When we went over there, and we had a, we, there's a picture of me, you, and a couple of other lads holding a pint, and you text back saying, "I didn't even know we'd met before." Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you just don't have uh, that memorable a face, Andy. Well, <laughs> people do say that about Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Walker Cup was some week though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. It's a, it's such an interesting week because there's such a build up to it, like for so long, and it's like for me, it was it was a little bit like you do the like the leaving cert at home, which is like your A level. Like it's built up for so long, and then when it's finished, it's just like oh, it was it, it's over, you know? Yeah, kind of just gone and gone in a few days. Um, I mean, it was a great experience to look back on. It's not. It's it's one of those tournaments. It's a great experience to play in, but it's probably not as essential as people think. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just say, it's, it's like a, it's like, gonna... it's like a box tick and then move on. The the um, that's the same year you did the um, obviously got into the open same year as well then wasn't it when you were leading? That, that was yeah, that was that was that July. Yeah, twenty fifteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's that experience so, like? So you go you're going to the fi- you're going to the final day of the biggest tournament in the world leading yeah look i'd love to go back and do it now you know i'm in a much better place to deal with deal with that sort of thing now than i was then but 
looking back on it, I remember I felt great at the time. I was really struggling with my grip when it rained. Right. Um, yeah. And I hadn't, I hadn't played through any of the rain that week, just without what the draw, the way the draw went. Um, obviously, to be where I was, I was obviously on the right side of the draw. And um, I remember I was warming up and I was hitting a great. I, everything was feeling good, and just as I went to hit my last few shots in the range, I felt a few drops come down, and, and my brain just switched to, oh fuck. <laughs> but then, please let this stop um, and it, it it kind of switched my mindset from positive to negative you know and I went out then um, obviously shitting myself a little bit but uh, yeah and then I got off to a bit of a, a ropey start and it was just kind of downhill from there but I probably wasn't mentally ready for that that stage unless things fell the, the way they needed to like I would have needed the weather to be right, you know, to yeah. get off to the right start, the right field. So like there's too much, too much needed to go right for me for it to be a good day. When now I think I'm much better equipped to deal with, you know, things falling out of plan a little bit. Did you yeah. find on that last day, on your, or did you find on the last day you're almost trying to defend the lead instead of attack it like you were on the other days? Is that was it? No, no I think I, I, I don't think so. I, I, I went out thinking if I shot four, I, every, I remember that week, Every day I had a number in mind that I thought would be, you know, what I needed to shoot that day. And I was yeah. pretty much on or around it most days. I remember going out thinking, you know, the first couple of rounds I had 69 in my head and I'd shot like a, I was 600 through two rounds. So um, I, I didn't shoot 69 twice. However it works, I shot whatever. Yeah. And then I had 68 in my head for the third round, shot 66. And I went out the last round when I was warming up. 68 was in my head, four under. I thought four under was easily doable around the course uh, without and having to do anything spectacular. Yeah. And then, but it was really the the moisture got in my head with the, the rain. I started to struggle with my right-hand grip. Um, yeah. Then I hit a bad tee shot off the second where my, my hand slipped off the club completely and then that kind of got in my head. And then I got out of being focused on the right things. Uh, turns out four under would have got me in a playoff. So. Yeah, at least I can I can predict that's only that's only useful if I'm trying to make money on Paddy Barrow though. <laughs> <laughs> some uh, some buzz though to be obviously in contention. The crazy amount of media attention in and around it, which would obviously would have been quite a quite a new feeling as well. Range obviously the crowds as well. Final group yeah, I, I tell you what, I played the I played the NCAA's. I don't know how long before. It might have been three or four weeks beforehand, um, and I was doing quite well. And that was live on golf channels. That was the first time playing really in front of cameras. But yeah. the one thing I remember about that, it was obviously there's no towers around the place set up. It was more handheld cameras. And they were very invasive, right. you know, in the amateur stuff. Like, they'd be very close to you. And then you'd hit a, sh yeah. you'd hit a shot and they'd run up, like, right into your face. Um, so that I happened three or four weeks before. So the last couple of rounds, when I was doing quite well, I had to deal with that. And that was weird. So in yeah. some way, in the professional environment of the open, where things have to stay back further and the cameras are probably better quality, they can zoom in more and the crowds are further back rather than kind of surrounding in behind you. Um, in that way, I felt a little bit easier. That, that experience did help. Yeah. But obviously, yeah. the, the scale of the, the crowds and the atmosphere around it was, was a lot different. Yeah. I mean, I can I can agree with you 100%, Paul. I mean, I play in front of the cameras a lot, and it's it's, it's difficult. 
you just play in front of your own cameras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you touched on mentality there a bit, Paul. Like, I just wondered, obviously, in all elite sport, it's, it's massive. Is it something that you've consciously done some work on? Or is it, is it just always been natural? Or is it something you've had to do work on? Yeah, no, I, de- I definitely... I mean, I, like everyone, I'd read the, read the Bob Rotella books and yeah. the, all the sports psychology bits that go around it. Um, but for me, like experience is the most valuable part of it. It's very easy to read something, but it, I found I didn't fully understand it until I went through it and reflected. Um, then I did do some work mentally for a year and a half with um, Enda McNulty in Ireland, and we did some good work together. Um, kind of, uh, I'm trying to think when we first started. It would have been, so I, I would have turned pro and got through Q school and maybe played my first six months of the season. And then we yeah. started working together. Um, because I was finding maybe it was a carryover from the open, maybe not. That I was, I put myself in positions to have good weeks, maybe not to win tournaments, but like to have a top three or four finish. And I, I had a lot of finishes, like tenth to fifteenth that first year, mm-hmm. on my good weeks. And I was when I was trying to fight for my car because only a limited status. It was like that's a big difference, you know. If you come ninth instead of third, you know, that kind of changes the season. So. We did a lot of work around that, started doing quite a bit of journaling, um, that sort of thing. And that helped, and it definitely helped me, like, compartmentalize week to week, you know, forget about a week and then start a new week and that sort of thing. And I started to see some good results come in, and I uh, started finishing tournaments off much stronger. I had a few low final rounds to to get some high finishes the season after. And I think that um, that's the bit I probably learned the most from, to kind of always be in the mindset that you want to push forward that enough is never enough, you know? I mean, spe- speaking of low final rounds, it kind of brings you quite nicely to the British Masters, doesn't it? 61 to win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, to me, honestly, that, that work I did, that was like a culmination of, of maybe a year build up to that, you know? Yeah. And I have all these points uh, previously that, that kind of prove that to me. And like some of them might be, you make a cut in the number and shoot 66, 65 on the weekend. Like that was the, the tournament before the British Masters I played was the KLM two weeks before. Mm-hmm. And I birdied like four of the last seven on Friday to make the cut on the, on the number and then shot 11 under on the weekend, finished 10th or 11th. But then there's, it's amazing because one of those things, if I, if I didn't do that, if I missed the cut by one, who knows if I'd won two weeks later, you know, it's so much of his momentum when you look back on it. Um, so there was probably six or seven big weeks like that kind of building up to it that, that kind of helped experience wise to, to get ready for a final round like that, which turned out to be, obviously I played great. I got off to a great start, but like sometimes in rounds like that, I was five under through six, had a three shot lead. You know, if, a couple of years previous I'd have probably just been trying to hold on to a three shot lead rather than you know yeah. thinking just keep pressing forward just keep playing the holes in front of you see how many birdies you can make type of thing yeah I remember that I was actually I was actually in Venice when you were playing that I was walking walking around walked past this pub and it was on so I just talk, pulled, pulled the missus inside she was fuming to be fair um, pulled the missus inside we just kept, ended, up, ended up staying there but I think we caught the whole back nine just sat in, sat in a pub in Venice watching you win the British Masters Romantic. Pretty yeah. random. People doing Venice. <laughs> that's, that's me. That's me. Let's find a pub. Yeah, the, watching um, me definitely isn't an all aphrodisiac. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> didn't work. It definitely didn't work either. 
<laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> when, when did, sorry, I was going to say, oh. when, did, when did the golf start, Paul? Were you were it something you always had when you was a young young boy, or was there a moment in life? I, I started when I was ten. Then the local course, Greystones, was my is and it still is my course. Um, and I just played it like I played any other sport. You know, I played football, played tennis, played some Gaelic football. Um, yeah. And you know, when you're that age, it's it's a it's like a crash as much as anything else. Your parents are happy to drop you up to the course. They know where you are. You can spend the whole day there. So I found myself. I was just there, kind of in the summer, twenty four seven. Then by the time I was twelve, I got down to the single figures, and they put me on a one of the the national panels. Uh, they they had their first like under fourteen panel, and one of the members of my course was on the panel for picking. Because obviously it's hard to pick under 14 players with there's no tournaments to compare them. So I was lucky that kind of through a connection I got thrown on that and I was put in the system then quite early. Um, and from there, there's always like a, it's like a ladder, you know, there's always a next team to make. There's always tournaments that you're, you're told you should play in and this sort of thing. So that was kind of my first introduction to, um, I'd say, competitive golf and trying to trying to keep advancing because until then it was just like I just did it because I, li I liked it you know it was fun who were the big influences kind of as you were growing up who were, the, who were the idols as such so my idol obviously was Tiger um, everyone my age is their idol was Tiger uh, then for me very much Padraig would have been in the forefront he would have been <laughs> winning his majors when I was about 13 yeah. um, maybe a little older maybe 14 uh, so right when I was kind of just getting competitive with the golf, he was the big name for us yeah. in Ireland. Um, and he was a good role model to look up to. He always had, you know, the aura around him that he was a hard worker. He put, he grafted and he got out of it what he put into it, um, which is much easier to relate to when you're that age rather than seeing a, you know, a, a prodigy that you just kind of in awe of. Padraig was all, always someone that I, that looked like, what he was doing was attainable if you put the work in, you know, <coughs> and still is. Um, he is chipping videos so, on Twitter at the moment. Yeah, I know. He's going to be hard to take money off after this. He's got chipping green in his back garden. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was definitely that. Um, and, I mean, Ryan Giggs, was, I was a left winger when I played football, so Ryan Giggs would have been my idol when I was, I was a kid. I say say to my girlfriend it doesn't bode well for her if, if Ryan Giggs and Tiger Woods are my two idols in life <laughs> <laughs> obviously so growing up a United fan yeah very much so yeah yeah back in the glory days <laughs> fortunately yeah. seem to be gone for the foreseeable future the um coming back coming back onto competition you are obviously I've I've seen you at I've seen you at the academy in the, in the in years gone by very competitive I had, um, had a little chat with Gavin Moynihan before, and he, <laughs> I said to him, I've got Donners on today. I said, have you got any messages for him? And he said, yeah, ask him why he always chooses outrageous chip shots when we're playing for money. Ask him why he doesn't pay up when he loses the money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's more fun, you know? Uh, like the basic chips, if I'm going to the chipping green on my own, like you're always just going to practice the, the basic chips that you're going to get in the course. I find when you practice on your own, you're like, you try and be as realistic as possible. You're like, which one of these am I going to use? You know? Yeah. Um, but like, I've always been a pretty good chipper. 
uh, and like a, a simple little chip and run with a 52 degree or an eight iron or something with 40 feet of green to work with, it's kind of boring, yeah. you know. And a flop shot off a downslope of a bunker with no green to work with is is much more fun. So I like the imagination of it. Uh, also, I like when you play a chipping competition if you get to place the other person's ball. So you get oh, to yeah, yeah. see see them wine. So you get the worst lies you can get. Um, well, I, I think it's good. It's experimenting. It's imagination. For me, like that's what I find fun. If you sent me to a golf course and said, practice in whatever gives you the most enjoyment, I'd find someone who's a good chipper and try to have a competition against them as outrageous as possible. You know, and I find that more interesting than working on you know, my putting technique from four feet or yeah, yeah. hitting a, hitting a six iron at a flag, you know, I mean, there, that's necessary to do, but it's not as, not as enjoyable to me. It's also quality of practice though as well, isn't it? It's like you say, you're, you, when you, when you're doing competitions, you put yourself under, pre, you're, you're under pressure, but not obviously not massive pressure, but it's still, still don't want to lose a bit of money on the line, but also those shots that you're going to get on the final day when you short side yourself or something or you've got that bunker to go over, you kind of practice it and it just feels like that kind of that game again. Because I know a lot of the members, a lot of the members when they saw you practicing were kind of like, you, normally members will go over, they'll grab a full basket of balls and they'll just stay in the same place and hit the same shot over and over. I hate and over. that. It drives me mad. And then you, I, hate you a chipping, kind of I, I hate a chipping green that's full of golf balls. It's a bad sign. <laughs> I feel like you should take, take two or three balls and hit a shot and pick them up and then hit a different shot, you know? That's the, I think that's the one thing that the on tour that that annoys me a little bit is every chipping green, people just go and take a basket and then they hit their like little chips, and empty the basket on the green and then leave it there. Surprised me mad because sure awesome. the green's full then you can't do any, any uh, imaginative practice around it. But it's just the nature of it is more time efficient I guess for people warming up going out to play. Any other, but, um, any other any other pet hates on tour? Uh, airports it's about yeah. it but sure <laughs> kind of missing <laughs> now <laughs> yeah but who would who, who would you say your best mates on the tour are well we've got a good group of Irish so when the when like Shane and Podrick and and, and Gavin and Cormac Sharvin now um, are out on tour or any of the other Irish lads getting invites during the week or to any given weeks um, we always are a good group together go out for dinner every night um a lot of irish caddies as well so generally um probably the bigger tournaments in europe when you know big timers like shane and podrick uh, actually come and play <laughs> then <laughs> then it's good good cracking evenings you've got them you got their caddies you got a couple of the other irish caddies irish players whatever there's always you know between six and ten people out for dinner and it's good fun uh we play a lot of credit card roulette which is good fun at the end of dinner um and then outside of that, I, I get on really well with the Scottish guys. I, I grew up with Grant Forrest, playing a lot of amateur golf with him. He's got his tour card now, so he's out. Uh, spend a bit of time at Richie Ramsey. He's part of the same management group as, as I was for years, so um, we got kind of got to know each other, each other through that. But um, you tend to it, it, you tend to see countries sticking together. Yeah, don't yeah. know if it's especially Irish. Probably just. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's just out of eating habits and culture and restaurants. Like yeah. The Italians stick together because they like finding the best Italian restaurants. The Spanish stick together, they eat late, you know. Um, 
So, the, you know, the Irish and the Scottish stick together so they can talk shit about the English. Out of all the places on tour, where's the best uh, social scene? Where's the one you're looking forward to the most to get out after the game? Oof, good question. Generally, cities, you know. Um, probably the, the most fun tournament to go to is, is in Kranzersier in Switzerland. Because okay. uh, okay. the golf course is in the town. Like You walk off the 18th green um, straight up. To, I missed the cut there last year and we ended up walking straight from the 18th green Friday afternoon, halfway up the road and you're at this the taxi bar, which is an outdoor bar in the middle of the street. Okay. And you see a load of golfers out there that have in similar position to me, like still in their golf clothes, just walk straight up, haven't bothered going back to change. Um, straight on it. Yeah, I mean, it's that, that's, that's always a, a fun week for that. Because even if, like even other years I've played it and I have, I've made the cut or been doing okay, um, you just walk around the town, there's a good buzz, you know? Yeah. Um, the only thing is it's expensive, it's about 50 quid for a pizza in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. But generally the social scene around any city is pretty good because there's a bunch of restaurants and, and bars and places to go watch a match and stuff to choose from. I imagine the social scene um, after the Open last year would have been pretty good as well. I was in, I, t- I didn't play the Open obviously last year. I was in Spain with my girlfriend on a holiday and we were watching it and I got back on the Sunday and I think we landed. So I watched, I watched Shane win in the airport and right. I, landed at, I landed at about 11. And then we got a text from them that they were coming out to Dublin and they'd be there at one because they drove back from Portrush to Dublin. So we met them in, in 37 Dawson Street, which is one of the bars in Dublin, at yeah. one. Uh, I, I stayed there till about half three and I left. Every, I mean, I think I was one of the first to leave. I heard he was still there till seven or eight. And then I had a picture of him the next day at a bar at 11. So he was going hard at it for a few days, but sure, who can blame him? Is that coppers? No, it's not coppers. No, give him a bit of credit. <laughs> no, you know what? Okay, so you know what? The um, when he won in Portugal, he came back that night, and I was obviously I'm, I'm the mate of Brendan Walton. He texted Brendan from the airport in Portugal. So obviously, having just won, he's like, "I'm on my way back. Meet me in coppers." So we were. Yeah, we've after, we've all, we've all made that mistake too many times. <laughs> he flew straight back, and everyone was just in coppers waiting for him. <laughs> Sounds about right. I love that picture of Shane holding the the Portuguese Masters Trophy. My favourite. Before he grew his beard out, he looked about <laughs> ten. Cheers for today, Paul. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up um, a couple of quick fires to finish. Okay. A couple of quick, quick fire questions. I kind of feel like I know a couple of the answers already, but um, right, we're gonna start with a with an easy one. Rory, Rory or Tiger? Tiger. Oh, master to win Masters or the Ryder Cup. Masters. And then to put the Masters versus the Open. The Open. The Open, yeah. To win Premier League or Champions League for United, obviously. Uh, Premier League, just to stay ahead of the Liverpool fans. Just to stay, good, good answer. This one's pretty obvious one. Short game or long game? You think? Short game. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> play them, any dangerous question cards or what? Play, 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 play to my strengths here. I mean, if I could choose an improvement, I'd choose my long game. But I'll practice yeah. my short game. <laughs> Harrington or Lowry? Oh, Harrington. Harrington, three, why? 3-1 at the minute. <laughs> and beer or wine? Easy one to finish. Or Guinness. 
Guinness, Guinness at home. Yeah. Guinness at home. Proper Guinness. Just on a just, yeah. on, a, just on a, a slight side note, I was wondering about obviously pro ams and stuff are a big part of of the the week. Have you got any funny stories from a pro am? It comes to mind. Uh, I actually don't. You see, I haven't played in that many of them. I, I had a f- one full year of them. After I won, I was put in the pro-ams yeah. um, for the year. Uh, apart from that, I haven't played them because they go off. Only the top, whatever, 30 players yeah. play in them each week. Uh, I don't really have any. I mean, the coolest one I played in was I played in the one of the AP golf days in the pro-am and I played with Ian Rice. And that was pretty fun. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Where was that? So he would have been one. That was in Walton Heath. Walton Heath. So, obviously, yeah. obviously an Arsenal man, but still a, a footballing legend. But yeah. apart from that, I don't, really, I don't really have any. I just know you play with a lot of people that ask you how to chip. I was going to say, there must be a common question from the amateur, like, like you said, how to chip. Yeah, it's always chipping. But some of them, just their, their base... Their base technique is so bad that it's hard to help them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your head um, up. Yeah, people. Yeah, I was when I was in Dubai, I saw the people you were teaching. So it's um, long similar lines. But if if someone if someone has a base, like relatively decent uh, golf setup, yeah. teaching them how to chip if they if they have no idea is probably the easiest thing to do. You just get right in your left foot. Yeah. Hit down and the ball goes up. Everyone just tries to help it up. Um, but I don't have any. No, I have no um, no interesting pro am days. Just know they they take a while, and you're always ready them to be finished by the twelfth. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say probably kind of last that last six holes is probably the hardest bit. Yeah, yeah, especially for the caddies. At least not to carry the bag. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Paul, thanks very much for joint taking the time. Much appreciated. No problem. Um, all the best for the continue, continued recovery. You'll be. By the time by the time that's ready, anyway, the, the tour will be back on, so it's perfect timing. Yeah, exactly. I was actually, it's going to work out pretty well for me. It's just see if we can get back to the tour schedules without having to quarantine anywhere for a couple of weeks first. It'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's very true. Very true. Yeah. Right. Cheers for your time, Paul. Appreciate it. I'll speak to you soon, buddy. All right. Talk thanks, guys. Enjoy. Yeah, see you later. Bye. Bye. Good luck. Bye. Big thanks to Paul Dunn for joining us on a Golden One podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please give us a five stars and we'll see you in the next pod. See you later, boys. Bye, guys. Bye.